It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News. Welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast, the show that tries to answer the question, just what the heck is going on in the media, entertainment, and technology worlds. I am your host, Jeremy Bray, better known as PC Nerd 37 to most of you, and on the other end of Skype is my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Hey, howdy. Welcome to August. Yeah, it's a very wet August around here. We've had, or just in the past week, not just since August started, but it's been very... We've gotten a ton of rain around here, including tonight. It's been uh, one storm after another. It's quite the opposite here. Yesterday, we had our first triple-digit day in temperatures. Uh, we, we've had quite a few of those, too. But, how was it? Um, I guess it's probably Thursday or Friday. It just poured from, like, 8 o'clock at night until close to 6 o'clock the next morning, it just poured. I don't know how many inches we got, but I, I'm guessing it was probably like at least 3 inches of rain. Wow. That's good sleeping weather, though. You know, I didn't get that good of sleep, because whenever it rains like that, I have to bring the dog in, and, I, and I'm always just nervous bringing the dog in and leaving him in my room, so I don't tend to sleep too well when that happens. Ooh. Does your dog attack you in your sleep? No, he's just... I don't know. He's not. We, as far as we know, he's not necessarily housebroken. He seems to do a pretty good job, but just in case. Oh, I, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I like to make sure that he goes out if he needs to. But with all the storms and stuff, he's in here with me again tonight. Or, well, I'll let him out after the sh- after we get done with the show. But he's in here for the show. Awesome. So we have a third co-host. Great. Yeah. Hopefully he'll stay nice and quiet. But anyway, we have a full show today, or full compared as far as what it is now, not what it used to be. Uh, I forgot to mention last week that there is no more tips of the week in the show. I am now I've now taken those, made them their own kind of blog post, meant to release them on. They're supposed to be released on Fridays. That, I forgot on Friday, so it ended up getting put up this morning. But with that being its own blog post now, I don't feel limited to so many story or so many helpful links. So now there's a whole big bunch of tips for the week listed at globalgeeknews.com. Everything from, I think there's like a $200 Linux PC to, um, geez, what else did I have on there? Fixing an iTunes iPhone syncing area or syncing error, the minus 39 error, um, building a custom phone car mount for under $10, sending audio tweets, comparing two folders to find out what the differences are in the files of the folders, all kinds of different stuff. Make sure to check that out at globalgeeknews.com. Speaking of which, that's where you will also find all of our show notes for this show and every other show is at globalgeeknews.com, so make sure to check that out if you want to follow along with the stories, maybe catch some details so that we don't have time to catch, and what have you. So, that said, I think we're ready to jump into our first post, starting or our first news story, starting with the Pirate Party is ramping up to invade Swedish politics. Yeah, these swashbucklers are actually trying to make a serious go at it. They uh, started in 2006 uh, with their first go-around, or their first attempt, and uh, they use that as a giant learning experience, and they are trying to really rally a grassroots effort to, to to make some serious runs at some seats. Yeah, I think it was last year, shortly after the Pirate Bay trial, that they ended up getting, I think it was two seats in the European Parliament. 
Yeah, because I think two, and uh, I think they also grabbed another seat somewhere else at the same time. I'm not sure if it was Germany. Yeah, I want to say it was Germany. I'm almost positive that it was. Maybe one of our listeners can correct us on that. But, yeah, they're gaining momentum to start going again for this election, which, is, of course, is going to take place like a week before the Pirate Bay retrial. So I'm sure they're going to be using whatever bit of publicity from that they can to propel themselves to get a couple more seats in the election. Right. And and just wondering if their um, formal run uh, is going to actually galvanize their user base, um, or will they be seen as uh, less of a... uh, less of a underdog and maybe that could hurt them in which they might lose some support. Um, it'd be good to see, um, how this race was, is run. Um, one also, also another addition is that, um, apparently their platform is mostly on not just, uh, making piracy legal as in, uh, sharing of, of works for non-commercial purposes, um, but just general tracking and privacy concerns around the web uh, a lot of what people can and, and, and can't uh, do to enforce laws or to restrict people from expressing their own beliefs over the web. Yeah, I, I've long been a supporter of the Pirate Party. We don't have a Pirate Party officially here in Colorado. I'm kind of hoping that we get one. That would probably be the only way I would probably consider registering to vote is if we actually did manage to get a pirate party here. Because I've never bothered to register to vote or anything like that. But that might just get me interested enough. But yeah, I'm kind of hoping they make some major progress. Because it seems like just over the past, oh, I don't know, couple years, the EU has gone from very pro-piracy, I mean, not piracy, privacy, to now they're getting to the point where where privacy is not as big a deal, kind of like it here where it's like piracy or privacy is quickly eroding. Yeah, it's one of those natural contractions, just like the economy up and down. Um, there's protectionism, and then there's globalization, and then back and forth. Um, same with uh, overreaching government, and um, and then small government. There's always a battle between those two, um, and I think we've, we we cross that back and forth more often than people realize. Yeah, I'd like to see something happen here, because. Being having a case like it is apparently in Sweden where copyright abuse, whether it's just letting your friends copy a CD or something that you have, that can apparently carry a two-year jail sentence. And that seems to be a bit crazy, and I think they realize that, and that's part of why they're fighting against this stuff. Yeah, uh, I think that's was something that really um, helped them last year is the gel sentences of the founders of the Pirate Bay or the members uh, of the Pirate Bay because uh, it was stupid for them to actually serve jail time instead of getting a fine. Um, but I, th- I think that's some of the things that they're going to probably uh, use to their advantage this go-around, especially what you're saying that the trial is about to happen. Yeah, the, ret- the retrial is supposed to happen like a week later or something like that. And so there should be lots of um, pro-pirate party support around the same time. But yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to come out of the whole retrial. Because last time they ended up with a sentence of a year in jail. And I think it's over a million dollar fine for each person, I believe. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens this time around. Yeah, uh, it's probably going to be just as interesting, if not more. So, yeah, And I didn't um, stick it in the show notes. There was another interesting story I saw today around um, Radiohead. And 
with their album that they re- released, what was that, a year or two ago, where it was mm-hmm. strictly, here's the album, you pay us for whatever you think it's worth. Yes. Well, well apparently now the RIAA is coming out and sending out um, copyright violation warnings to people who are out there downloading the album or songs from the album, which uh. kind of surprised me, but apparently... That um, whole pay whatever you want was only only lasted for like six months or something like that. Then Radiohead went and did, did deals with um, Sony and somebody else for doing um, distribution of like CDs and stuff as to where oh. they ended up giving um, the rights and stuff back over as to where the RAAA could actually start going after people again. My gosh, that sucks. Oh man, that's we were talking about people who have a, a free model and move to the paid. That's 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 the extreme right there of now, uh, like trying to put people in jail for doing something that was free and now is illegal. Yeah, I I was really surprised by it. I as soon as I saw the headline, it's like the RAA is going after. People that downloaded the free Radiohead album, I don't understand this. So I clicked, opened up the story, and found out that Radiohead had done deals with Sony and whoever, and that this where the RIAA ended up getting the rights to pursue copyright violators again. So now it's kind of like, okay, every stand that they've taken against the RIAA and everything, and they've, they've even form some anti-RIAA group because they think the RIAA is so bad, yet now the RIAA is going and trying to protect their music or whatever you want to whatever term you want to use. Yeah, I think I read some articles how they viewed that release as a failure because they made so much little money Um, but I think on average they made about the same amount if not more um when you talk about all the cuts and of the uh, the fees that they avoided, and uh, and then still owning the music technically um, for for the redistribution, so um, I think that maybe wanted to cash out a little bit more uh, more of the money up front instead of uh, getting residuals about sales later on. Yeah, the story that I read said that the album in that. Um trial period or whatever or I don't remember if it's in the trial period or overall has made more money than all of their other albums combined mm-hmm. so for them probably but not gross we're talking net yeah I'm not I that part wasn't real clear it sounds like it was probably for them yeah yeah it's probably net <laughs> makes sense but anyway speaking of statistics Apparently, the Android may now be the largest smartphone platform in the U.S. Yes, um, this is an article coming from, um, sorry, an, an analysis coming from Kellis. Uh, uh, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but keep in mind that these numbers are Q2 numbers. So within quarter two, um, Android has surpassed even uh, Apple's iPhone as the number one smartphone in the United States. Um, but this is just one quarter sale, so we're not talking about in aggregate of the lifespan of uh, the whole entire product, uh, who's number one. But this is just for the first uh, second quarter. Yeah, and apparently the iPhone 4 wasn't out in this time period, so that doesn't count the millions of iPhone 4 units sold. Yeah, and there's a great anticipation, so there's a very lack of... I mean, there's a shortage of lack, lacks of... Uh, there weren't that many people purchasing 3GSs because of the anticipation of the iPhone 4. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious to know. I'd like to wait another quarter and see just how legitimate these numbers are. I mean, to say that they had more sales than RIM, that's definitely saying something. But yeah. I'm kind of curious to see what the comparison is between themselves and the iPhone. Yeah, and funny enough, I really think that this trend is going to continue, especially moving into the holiday season, well, back-to-school season, and then holiday season. 
throughout the rest of the year, the trend is going to just going to skyrocket um, by the end of the year. Um, back to school um, with the the ranges of with the range of phones and needs. I I, I think that um, we might actually see some some entry level Android phones, um, resistive screens. You know, um, instead of uh, uh, Instead of the the, the other multi touch screens, um, and I think that that will be more of a, a featured phone, and I think those would sell a little bit better, a la Ken, I would say. Probably still full data data uh, data packs, or uh, sorry, data um, data plans that go with it. Um, maybe some reduced data plans if they if the carrier reduces or modifies the Android OS so that there's no marketplace apps or or can limit the applications that are installed on it. Um, and I think that flexibility is going to be very, very attractive to a lot of carriers here in the U.S. Yeah, speaking of which, I'm very close to re-releasing my Master Memo Android app. I've got one more possible bug that I have to look into, and once that's done, it should be at least ready to go out to testers and then ready to be released shortly after that. But I'm kind of curious to see what kind of a place Android's going to have in the tablet market space now after, what is it, within the next month or whatever, Kmart is supposed to be having a $150 Android-based tablet. I'm yeah, curious to see how that's going to work out. Well, they were taking rain checks on those already, right? Um, right. Um, I, I'm thinking that those devices are actually crap device, devices. The first Android tablet... I guess for mass adoption anyway. Um, I don't even know if you can call it mass adoption. I would say mainstream for a major manufacturer would be the Dell Streak. Um, rumor has it that it should be released, you know, in, in the next couple couple weeks or so. Uh, we had the 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 Arcos Five Internet Tablet that's been out for a while, um, but that that's was barely a blip on the radar. Some people who are even aware of what Android is. Um, but the 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 Dell Streak is probably going to have more visibility, more marketing power, uh, and be the first first mainstream Android tam- tablet. So that's that, I think that's going to be the bellwether to see whether or not um, they can get a good stranglehold on the tablet market too. Yeah, speaking of tablets, did you see the um, video, the UI that's floating around for one of the Windows Seven tablets? No, uh, the only tablet I've seen for Windows Seven is the Windows Seven embedded tablet, um, but I haven't seen anything about the uh, an actual um, commercial deployment of a full Windows Seven tablet. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. There, I guess it was probably oh maybe Friday that this came out, or no, yesterday maybe that it's a. UI-centric tablet or uh, interface for a Windows 7 tablet that's supposed to be that the company that's making it it says it's going to be on tablets by the end of the year. And it looks like something that could easily go head-to-head with the iPad and probably even win. Well, Bomber did make that assertion saying that they will, uh, they're recommitting themselves to the tablet market. Yeah, um, this UI is codenamed McCullen from a company called UI Centric. Interesting. Well, yeah, it, I can tell you right now, Microsoft should be buying that company. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. This is this would be the right way to do a Windows tablet, not the way that like the HP slate was shown off at CES where it was basically a full Windows 7 on a tablet device with just a nice touch screen. Hmm. But yeah, this is some really impressive stuff. You'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, send the link over when you can. Uh, yeah. I've got it here somewhere. Yeah, it's got the video and everything. It's on the next web. Let's see. I'll shoot that over to you in Skype. There you go. And I'll try and remember to stick that in the show notes as well. All right. 
But yeah, it looks really impressive. Yeah, I'll check that out after the show. Um, do you want to move on to Windows Phone 7 since we kind of talked about tablets? Yeah, there seems to be get a lot of noise on your mic, more so than usual. It's like it's scraping up against something. Okay, hold on, let me readjust, sorry. Oh, no problem. Better? Yes, much better okay. now. Sorry about that. Oh, that's all right. Um, Windows Phone 7 is supposed to reach the U.S. in November, Europe first in October. I was kinda, I'm was i kind of surprised by that, but apparently that's not unusual for Windows. Funny, because that's we were just talking about the Dell streak, and that's what Dell did. They launched in the U.K. first, before they, and they haven't even launched in the U.S. yet. Um, I wonder if uh, they are more accepting of of uh, of new tech, or 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 it could be that the carriers are easy to work with, or that they don't have to work with carriers as much because of they buy the device and then they add service as opposed to um, buying subsidized handsets here in the United States. So um, maybe it's their way of gauging adoption and tweaking it. Um, for the big, the the big stage, which would, might be the United States. Yeah, it could be. I'm kind of curious to know why this is as well. Apparently, this has been the history with Windows Mobile all along. That Europe would always get the phones first, and then we would get them a short time afterwards. So I, I'm kind of curious to know why that is. Maybe if I if I remember, I'm trying to think of who I know on the Windows. Um, phone area that I might be able to find out an actual answer on this from. Todd Bricks, that's who I know. I'll see if I can shoot him an email this week and see if I can get an actual answer on that. But yeah, it, it seems like they've always... It seems like Europe seems to always get the better phones first or whatever. Or It just seems like they have better phones in general with a lot of... Or at least in the past, with a lot of the higher-end Nokia devices and stuff like that. It seems like they're just far more interested in these more powerful devices than a lot of people in the U.S. are, or at least at first. Yeah, well, it's because if you look at any commercial, um, any commercial here in the United States, when they talk about a phone, they usually talk about the service, and that's the star of the commercial. Even if it's a, a you see a phone, they're saying, "Look what this phone can do on this network." Um, I think because over there, they probably have a better understanding of what the phone can do as a phone, and has and they have very uh, less focus on the network. Um, so you hear about more capabilities, and you and being able to talk about those capabilities uh, makes people probably pickier about what phone they want because they know what is out there, and they're probably just a more informed consumer when it comes to smartphones. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I'm, I've never been a big fan of the way they do things here with the whole subsidized phone, assuming you get a two-year contract and whatever. I just assume pay full price for the phone and not have to deal with a contract for two years. Yeah, the only way to do that is to get one imported, which is not easy. Yeah. Well, imp- it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's not horribly hard, but import costs are crazy. I've imported a lot of music and stuff from over in Europe in the past and import costs are insane. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've just never been a big fan of the whole two year contract thing. I mean I've I've been stuck with my Blackberry for two years and finally this week I should be getting rid of it for an Android device. But Two years is a long time to be married to one phone. Yeah, Especially when you have new phones coming out, like Android devices, they seem to be coming out every couple of weeks with a new phone. Mm -hmm. Well, the good thing... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, and when they're constantly getting better, it's like, okay, why do I have to be stuck with this sucky phone? Why can't I have the one that everybody else has? So, speaking of sucky phones, I was going to say the good thing about them releasing uh, overseas is that most likely 
the phone is going to be pretty much factory, non-modified from the original manufacturer. Um, so we can do a good, a good apples-to-apples apples comparison for, let's say, an HTC phone in Europe to an HTC phone here in the United States and see how much bloatware uh, or how much uh, branding here in the U.S. that might affect performance or stability. Yeah, one of the things that I remember initially when they kind of announced Windows Phone 7 was that there's a restriction on the um, carriers as to how much garbage they can put on there. It's like, as far as Microsoft's concerned, we want this to be the same Windows Phone 7 experience no matter what carrier you're on and whatever. So the carriers are allowed to put, like, I think it's four. It's either four or seven apps or whatever customizations on there that they want. And if memory serves, they're not allowed to alter things like the user interface and stuff like that. So they were, there was a Windows Phone 7 or whatever that was being talked about last week, I think from, I think it was HTC and everybody was making a big deal out of, oh, it doesn't have the Sense UI or whatever. It's like, uh, well, duh, they Microsoft has said from the beginning that they're not going to allow those kind of modifications. Yeah. So why that was even much of a story, I, I didn't I, really understand. I was thinking I was thinking the same exact thing. They've said that already when they announced it, but mm-hmm. some people, I guess, didn't read it thoroughly enough. Yeah, apparently. But speaking of Microsoft, apparently it turns out that Bill Gates is pretty much the only one that can fire Steve Ballmer. So yeah, I'd say we're going to touch with Steve Ballmer. He's untouchable. Uh, no one can get rid of him. But um, to that end... I don't think that he's doing a horrible job. He might not be doing... He probably might be the most uh, liked CEO for a company uh, there is, but he's doing a decent enough job. I mean, he's not totally making all the wrong choices. Um, and I think as of late, they've had... Uh, Microsoft has actually done some really good innovations. Windows 7... Uh, was a good one. Uh, Windows Phone 7 is getting some good preliminary reviews. Xbox 360 and the Kinect, uh, those are good technologies uh, that are coming out or have been out um, in the casing of Kinect. Um, they're, they're on a pretty good winning streak. Uh, even Office Office 2010 is getting some really good reviews. So um, It looks like they're moving at a slow pace, but they're moving in the right direction. So I'm not sure if he needs to be replaced. I wouldn't mind a shake-up. Shake-ups are nice and good. Um, but um, it's not like they're they're going in the crapper. Yeah, they've, they've got a, quite a few good things going on for them. I, I, I think I saw something not too long ago that um, office numbers for the new version were down from expectations or something to that effect. But yeah, they're doing a lot of good things i'm just i just don't see that it's his vision that these products are coming from yeah he, um, he just seems to kind of be the big salesperson that talks to everybody yeah he doesn't seem like a really good motivator either of uh, maybe a motivator but not an innovator he doesn't seem like as you said the ideas aren't coming from him but hopefully he's smart enough to realize what are good ideas from other people and allow them to run with it and um some of the biggest problems might be retention uh, because they've they've lost some good people. Um, I just hope that some of the br- brain drain doesn't hurt them in the future. Yeah, they've definitely lost some good people this year. So hopefully that'll hopefully their entertainment side, which is where they've lost some of the bigger people from, like Robbie Bach. Hopefully that won't suffer too tremendously. But yeah, I'm kind of curious to see. What's going to happen with their seems to be growing resentment for him inside of Microsoft, or at least with the supposed board members or whatever. But supposedly none of them have enough clout to fire Steve Ballmer, and the only way that they could would be to get Bill Gates on their side. Yeah, he's probably going to need a BP moment in order for him to be ousted. He's going to need some sort of major catastrophe and windows 7 i'm sorry windows phone 7 might be that um but you know from a person who's 
actually a fan of Microsoft, I hope Windows Phone 7 is a really good competitor because um, competition is something that Microsoft is very good at when they have someone to chase. Yeah, I'm hoping it's as good as it looks. I don't know. I still haven't heard anything on getting a developer device, which is unfortunate, but I'm hoping that it's as good as it looks. And it, yeah. it kind of makes me regret that I'm probably going to be stuck in a two-year contract for an Android phone just because I don't have a clue when a Windows Phone 7 de- device is going to be coming to Nextel for me to get one of those. But speaking of Microsoft, one other quick thing. They released a patch for all of their supported versions of Windows, and this, and it probably would even apply to older versions of Windows if they supported them. Mm-hmm. Some issue with um, shortcuts and the way shortcuts are processed or whatever that could allow remote code execution or whatever and they patched that vulnerability today so make sure to run Windows Update and it will require a reboot so yeah I've, I ran it today I think it was like about 6 meg yeah 6. it was like 6.6 meg 6. 6 megs I did it right before the show is when I installed it, it, it so make sure to definitely install that because apparently it's starting to become a little bit more widespread. But speaking of hacking, apparently a hacker has been able to snoop his way to onto GSM phone calls. And although this particular story in Network World doesn't say so, they're saying several thousand dollars worth of equipment. Everywhere else that I've seen is saying that he was able to do this with only like $1,500 worth of equipment. Yes, this was a, a demonstration, actually. Um, uh, th- so he was giving a talk and demonstrating. And actually, the demonstration didn't go as well as he thought because he thought he would get more people attaching to his faux AT&T cell site, but uh, he only had 17. Um, but he was showing how he can get people to connect to his cell site and then snoop the packets once they're connected. Um this is something that he got threatened of several times from the FCC, saying what you're doing could be construed as illegal and you might be arrested or fined. Um, but he was very brave and pushed this forward. But um, it's very interesting uh, proof of concept. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he had what he's calling the International Mobile Subscriber Identity Catcher, where... I guess for this particular case, he was using the 900 megahertz band used by GSM devices in Europe. So that way, as far as the cell phones within the room at the conference at DEFCON were concerned, that it, they were that this device was essentially emulating a European radio tower, and was apparently able to get a number of devices to connect to it. Apparently the iPhones are the easiest to connect to it. I guess the iPhones aren't very choosy about what they connect to, apparently. But yeah, I was kind of surprised he was able to do this for real cheap, because it seems like there was a story, I don't know if it was a year or two ago, where they were saying, yeah, you could hack the GSM encryption and whatever, but it would cost you like $32,000 to to build the setup for it and whatever. So it still wasn't really feasible for the average criminal. But to do it for fifteen hundred dollars isn't too bad at all. But apparently, what this does is it enter, is it pretends to be the cell phone tower, gets the phones to connect to it, and at least in the demonstration, if people were being that were connected to the to- this fake tower were called, they would get sent to voicemail. But these phones could call out, and this fake tower could say, "Oh, hey." you don't need encryption or whatever, so drop the encryption, and then everything would be set in the clear as to where you could listen in on phone conversations, Mm -hmm. see text messages, and stuff like that, which I think that's part of why this guy could end up in hot water with the FCC. Yeah, um, and this is kind of funny how we talked about last week about AT&T launching their own uh, encrypted uh, transmission service. So, I don't. Th- do you think that they would have done something like that if something like this didn't exist? Um, so it, it makes sense. People, it's, it's always a, an arms race between um, people who do the hacking and people who get hacked. Um, and 
it's just like it's it's just like war. Um, adversity builds uh, strength through uh, ingenuity, and so for this, I, I mean, it's it, it would suck, but um, him being able to speak about this, knowing letting people know that this exists, um, I think it it kind of puts people on their toes to be more careful and uh, more onus on the carriers to protect against attacks like this. Well, I, I think this is a great example of saying why GSM and the GSM encryption is broken because it's essentially the same encryption that they've been using for, I think, decades now. So this is basically saying, yeah, there's a lot of phones that if you upgrade, it'll break, but it's time to upgrade. Yeah. Because there's better encryption standards out there. It's time to move to those. Yeah, and, I, and hopefully LTE does that. Yeah, hopefully they'll do something about this because... If anybody can listen to your conversations or whatever for fifteen hundred bucks, that's got to make you real nervous. Especially if you're like some big wig in some major company. I mean, what if I wanted to listen in on Steve Ballmer's conversations for fifteen hundred bucks? Oh man, that, you want to torture yourself like that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Steve Jobs. Okay, all right. That's be yeah. That'd be entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, this is definitely a little bit on the scary side. So I don't know. I'm kind of curious to know what it's like for non-GSM phones. So basically, CDMA networks CDMA. like Verizon. I'm kind of curious to know what the encryption is like on those, and if it has kind of the same vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to the, do things to prevent man-in-the-middle attacks, and that's basically what this is. Uh, inserting yourself between you and the, the 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 source and the destination. Speaking of DEFCON, did you happen to see the story about the guy that is the um, is a developer on the Tor project as well as for WikiLeaks that he him getting detained on his way into the country to go to the DEFCON conference? No, I did not hear that. I I know that the country, uh, the government's all up in arms about with that ninety thousand page document that um, they released. But um, no, I didn't hear he got detained. Yeah, apparently he was. I think he got detained in New Jersey as he was coming from wherever in Europe, Sweden, or something like that. And the army and the FBI or whatever detained him at the airport for a couple hours asking him all kinds of questions about WikiLeaks and trying to kind of figure out what the whole history of this 90,000 documents is and which apparently this guy didn't know anything about it and wanted to know where the guy was that runs (laughs) WikiLeaks and all kinds of stuff which you'd think that they would be able to figure that out on their own with their own intelligence yeah you'd think that the head of WikiLeaks would kind of be a guy that you'd be tracking all the time. Because I know it wasn't too long ago, a couple months ago, there were photos that surfaced on the web of, I think it was the CIA tracking WikiLeaks, of somebody who managed to capture a bunch of photos of these people trying to track them down. Yeah. Um, figure out who they're talking to and uh, you know get on their email or whatever. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, it's funny how the government plays down, and says, "You know, this is old, old information. We already and we've already released all this, and yet you have this same kind of reaction where, you know, we're going to start detaining people as they try to enter the country because it's national security. So, uh, on one hand, they're playing off that it's not important. The other one, they're saying it's very important. So, uh, talking out of one side of the mouth. Yeah." Well, anyway, um, next story. Speaking of sniffing, mm-hmm. or traffic sniffing, apparently the UK government has reviewed the whole Google Wi-Fi sniffing thing and decided that the data that they sniffed wasn't anything significant. Yeah, and for people who don't know, the backstory is data, uh, sorry, that Google had some trucks driving around for Street View, taking pictures of buildings, um, and at the same time, they were trying to map open Wi-Fi spots, and they were taking a couple of packets of data um, as they were doing this uh, from uh, from 
people who are broadcasting. Small snippets, nothing complete, but just small portions. Um, Google says it wasn't important, that they'll delete it. The governments were saying, no, we want to take a look and see what you did. And apparently they're done with their investigation, and they're saying, you know, Google, actually, you know, they really didn't have anything. It was just, uh, just pieces of pieces of data. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what the other countries are going to say now, since there were so many countries that were upset about this. And I think there's 30-some states in the U.S. here that have attorney generals that are upset about it and whatever. So I'm kind of curious to see what comes from other investigations, which I don't know how closely you've really looked into this, but it seems like, from what I've heard, this was an accident. They were using software... Mm -hmm. I cannot think of the name of it. I know I've used it before. It's good software for like um, doing war driving and stuff, which has always been a hobby of mine on occasion. Um, but apparently it, there's some kind of a default in it that automatically gathers these packets and, unless you turn this default off. And apparently they forgot they didn't realize it or forgot or something to turn the default off. And that's why it gather all this stuff. Yeah, I can't think of the name either, but if I remember correctly, um, the software does gather packets to break encryption. Uh, like, if you get a certain amount of packets from one location, you can break web encryption uh, after like several, several uh, listening to different kinds of keys that go across. Yeah, I cannot think of the name of it across the top of my head. I, I know I've used it before. It's for, I believe it's for Linux only, I think. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, nice software. But, yeah, it's it was just apparently just a default kind of thing. They didn't really realize it. That's why they're just now saying, oh, hey, we've got all this data, didn't mean to grab it, um, didn't realize that we were even collecting it, so we're deleting it, and that's kind of when everybody got in an uproar. But speaking of Google, apparently they have decided to increase the video time limit to 15 minutes on YouTube now. Yes. Um, actually, I blogged this on my personal blog, too. Uh, that's that's a 50% increase, if, if you're doing the math. Um, which is, I actually, I think this is going to be one of those significant mi milestones. Not because uh, it's going to bring content, better content to YouTube, but more of, uh, there's going to be plenty of headroom, so um, I think we're going to see new expressions uh, in this medium that we haven't seen before because of the time limit increase. I'm not sure how much new we're going to see. I know for myself personally, I, this makes me happy because there's a lot of times when there's a video that normally would be like 13, 14 minutes long, something like that. Now I don't have to watch two separate videos. I can just watch it all in one. Mm -hmm. That's what makes me happy. Otherwise, well, I think I'd it, like to see this around more of an hour instead of 15 minutes. Yeah, but I think more of uh, uploading some content that was 15 minutes or even 13 minutes. Some people didn't go through the trouble of splitting it up into two and just decided not to upload it. Especially when we're talking about like the iPhone 4 with it doing video recording. I think that uh, we're going to have people who are just going to say, oh, crap, well, uh, that's 11 minutes, I can't upload it. Or I tried to send it and I got an error message to more successes for the casual uh, camcorder aficionado. Yeah, there's been a number of times with my flip video camera where I thought, hmm, I want to upload this. Oh, shoot, the video's 12 minutes long, and I don't have any decent video editing software. I mean, I've tried Windows Movie Maker, and that seems to be nothing but a disaster every, every time I try and use it. Yeah, it hacks my video all the hell, and sometimes I get sync problems. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've down if it's been updated because I've, I've had the beta for the next for the wave that came out, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if that's made it any better. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 really thinking about getting a. Mac to replace my laptop, a MacBook Pro 13-inch, and I know there's a whole lot more video editing capabilities on a Mac. So, 
that might be the direction that I'm headed next. But apparently this whole 15 minutes thing came about because in the past, all of the media companies have been, didn't, they all wanted like a 10 minute time limit because everybody would be uploading TV shows and you're uploading half an hour TV shows or, well, I doesn't mean cut out the commercials, you're looking at, what, 21 minutes or whatever. Having Making them chop it up into three bits is going to make it far less likely for them to be interested in uploading it. But apparently now the content ID system that YouTube has put in is so good that now, whenever these videos are uploaded, the company, the media companies can claim them as their own and run ads on them. So it's not that big a deal anymore. Yeah. So. And also, they've they've launched a, a contest in conjunction with this increase um, to help people on YouTube get their 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, apparently you have to tag your videos YT15 minutes and upload them by Wednesday. Yeah. And chosen videos will be featured on the YouTube homepage. In other news, YouTube storage bill is going to go up. <laughs> I don't know, I'd like to know just how much, how many hard drives and stuff they have in their servers. That that oh. would be interesting to know. Yeah, I wonder how much uh, storage space that they have, and how often they switch off small disks for new for larger big for larger disks, or if they just totally uh, just keep adding capacity and never. Uh, evict their lower capacity servers. Yeah, I'd, I'd be real interested to know how that works. If any of our listeners work at Google and would love to give me a tour around the YouTube server farms, I'd be very interested. Anyway, speaking of video, apparently a second student has come to sue the school district over webcam spying, this being the um, school district in suburban Philadelphia that has had all the issues over the past year of the IT people or whatever using the um, anti-theft technologies in in the computers or in the, in the MacBooks or whatever they gave students to spy on the students. Well, they, they gave them to them for anti-theft, but some people were using it spying. One kid um, was accused of doing drugs because a teacher was using the cam to spy on him um and when he said how did you know i was taking something because uh it turned out to be candy um the teacher admitted saying i was looking at you through the webcam uh that day of when that was brought up and the big hubbub started uh that's the day when a second student um had his camera turned off because it had been on for the longest time. So previous to this, previous to the incident in which the student got called into the office, um, another student lost their laptop, and they used this system to recover it, but never turned off the monitoring, the monitoring of the monitoring of the software or the 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 laptop. So they were spying on him from losing the from losing the laptop, and uh, just never stopped spying on him the whole entire time. Yeah, apparently they took 469 photos and 543 screenshots of this second student. So now the second student is suing the school. So it it seems like things are just getting worse and worse for the school district. I'm kind of curious to know if there's any other school districts that are using this LANREV program for spying on the whoever's using the laptops or whatever. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious to know how many people have ditched the software ever since this story is broke. I also wonder if there is any um, lawsuits to the vendor for not for not providing adequate training or in, information related to this. I, I wonder if uh, they didn't know what they were getting themselves into and if they were trained properly enough um, to say, hey, you should have one admin of this capability instead of giving it over to everyone in the school, including teachers and the IT department. Yeah, there definitely should have been some better training. You're, it seems like your mic just got a little bit too close to your mouth. 
Okay, sorry. You were you just started it popped, really it popped off, and I had to readjust. Uh, yeah, it sounded like it was just getting real um, puffy there. How's that? Puffy and loud. Say say something again. Testing one two three. A little quiet now, but at least you're not popping like you were. Uh, okay. Maybe if it's more to the side of your mouth or something. Anyway, speaking of... Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Speaking of spying, apparently authorities are using Google Earth to spy on people in New York to find out if they have unpermitted swimming pools. This is kind of genius. Um, because swimming pools are something that don't move often. <laughs> and when they're there, they pretty much don't go away. Um, and what they're doing is they're combing Google Earth, finding all the locations of where swimming pools um, are located but don't have permits. And apparently they found over 250 swimming pools that didn't have a permit and collected over $75,000 in fines. Yeah, that must be some hefty fines for having an unlicensed swimming pool. But Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering because of the real estate issues in New York, um, especially Long Island, that uh, it's a little bit more more of a premium permit to to get a pool. Uh, I don't know if it's a water table thing or anything too. Um, but one thing is, this is a safety concern about to make sure that um, you know it's roped off and protected against you know, kids falling in and drowning. So it is a public safety for them to make sure that um, that the permits are issued for for valid construction and invalid constructions um, they need to be brought into compliance. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to know. Um, I didn't even realize that you had to have permits for pools. I'm kind of wondering, are these supposed to be just for, like, below-ground pools, above-ground pools? Does that matter? Um, I'm kind of curious. And I don't know. It, it seems like this wouldn't be the best way to go about this just because... Google Earth photos or the satellite Google map photos or whatever, they aren't the most recent things in the world. I've noticed that from around here. Last time I checked, or last time I looked at my house on Google Maps using the satellite images, they were from a couple of years ago. So, yeah. I don't know. What would happen if you just moved into a house that has a pool? You don't have any clue about whether the construction for the pool is licensed or whatever, all of a sudden you get this fine from the state saying, oh, hey, you have an unlicensed pool, and you just moved into the house. Yeah, and that's... It, and that's, the image was taken two years ago. Well, that's what... Um, when you buy a house, that's why you get... Um, you, you get... You get your... Um, you get it evaluated before you buy it. To make sure that there are no outstanding liens, uh, that um, everything is kept up to code, all that's supposed to be disclosed by the seller, and um, that's what you pay for when you get it inspected to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. I'm kind of curious to know how many people that they have that whose job description entails searching Google Earth for swimming pools. <laughs> it's probably more and more so. Um, that's going to happen now that we're in a thought economy. Like, um, I think the Jeffersons, uh, the, sorry, not the Jeffersons, the Jetsons had it right when George Jetson, his job was a button pusher, and all he did was just push a button all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that just seems like it would be a strange job to have. Come home after a day of work, yeah, honey, uh, nothing much new with me. Found five more pools on Google Earth today. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to know what a job like that would pay. Well, with if if we assume that it was one person that find found these 250 uh, pools, uh, it seems like he uh, he he paid for his own salary. So can't pay. Yeah, at a seventy-five thousand dollars in fines. Yeah. 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 But moral of the story is. Build some kind of structure over your pool so you so it can't be seen from space. Mm -hmm. Google's watching you, and they're facilitating the government to watch you. 
Yeah, I think I even saw another story. I didn't really look at it, but apparently India or something like that is using Google Earth to spy on certain things, too. Uh, That's our last story. uh, Last story is real similar. Speaking of India, apparently they're using Facebook to catch bad drivers. Which I think is kind of awesome. I see a ton of bad drivers, um, and, and I would love to go to Facebook and upload pictures of them doing stuff illegally. Um, of course, I'm a little bit more passionate uh, because I got into two car accidents last month because of stupid drivers. Um, but basically, uh, New Delhi had a, um, a website, a Facebook page, just to get feedback from the public, and people started using the website not just to get feedback and updates about traffic but also to call out people who are doing things illegally yeah i was kind of surprised they're doing this just pure coincidence the last week i was thinking about doing something real similar i want to basically set up a site where you can report bad drivers or you can put up photos or video even better of people doing stupid things i on the average day, I get in. I have at least three close call or per trip across town. I usually have at least three close calls of getting in an accident. So in other words, I usually get close to about half a dozen accidents at least per day because of all the horrible drivers around here. And I've just had this idea of starting to mount my flip camera in my car and catch all these people and then putting the video online. And I'd, I'd like to, I don't care if they get tickets or whatever, but to be able to publicly shame these people mm-hmm. for their crappy driving and make all the other people around aware saying, hey, look out for this guy, he can't drive. I, I think that would be a nice little service, but I don't know, I'm kind of worried about privacy issues should I do something like that. But Yeah, I guess you have to look at local law to see what they say. Um but uh, I wonder if you did it on maybe Facebook, it should be fine. But if you did it on a public blog where everyone could see it, where there's no privacy restrictions, that might be an issue. Um, it's that's yeah, that's I'm not a lawyer, so it's hard to say. Well, I'm kind of curious because whenever you see a show like Cops, they always blur out the license plates. Yeah, exactly. Well, with my idea, having the license plates is half the purpose of it because you want to be able to identify the idiots. Yes, which is which part is of the problem, yeah. Yeah, and that's essentially what India is doing, or at least in Delhi, they're saying, hey, you see somebody doing something stupid, take a picture of it or whatever, and post it to our Facebook page, and then we'll look at the license plate and send the guy a ticket for whatever stupid thing that he did. And apparently they've already got over 17,000 fans that have sent over 3,000 photographs and dozens of videos showing these people doing these stupid things like driving in bike lanes, illegal turns, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm actually for this because it gives more power uh, to... It gives more power to the police uh, indirectly because they're able to extend their reach using the civilians. Uh, Also, it gives people a sense of community and empowerment, saying that, hey, um, I I value my safety and I value um, the rules and the law that we live under, and um, you're violating those, so I'm going to report you. Um, I I think it's something that that, uh, might actually be a good thing, but also a bad thing is um, if someone goes to this page, finds out they get a ticket, find, finds the picture that was posted, and finds who uploaded the picture, I wonder if there might be some retribution that they might try to to get at the person who turned them in, uh, which could, could be a problem. Well, I don't know anything about the Indian courts, but here you still have the right to confront your accuser. So here that, would kind of, that wouldn't be too big a deal. Well, it all depends on how. <laughs> Are we talking yeah. about with you know a gun or a knife? Yeah, apparently there's somebody today that he's had some kind of a long-standing issue with somebody and shot and killed him this afternoon. But yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to see just how well this catches on. I there's part of me that says, hmm, I hate this idea, 
but at the same time, there's so many bad drivers around here. It's like, hmm, I want to do this myself. Yeah. But, yeah, it's certainly an interesting thing. I, I'm kind of curious to see just how well how well it works out. Out after out of the three thousand photographs and videos that have been submitted, six hundred and sixty-five tickets have been issued. So yeah, and with a lot of people rejecting speed cameras or cameras in general, um, this might might be something that can't fly in the U.S. Uh, because of laws or of war that might happen if we did enact something like this. Um, but um, it all started grassroots. There was the first picture that was uploaded was not solicited. Uh, it was done by uh, someone on the road, and they just felt that that was the best form to to present that. Um, so uh, I feel if they came the other way around and they built this just for catching people who are breaking the law, um, I don't think it would be as as successful. And maybe that's just something we need here on our side. We need. Uh, someone to, to, to make that effort who is not part of the establishment. Yeah, and one note that the police department from Delhi mentioned was that you should not take a photo while you're driving as operating a cell phone camera while driving is a violation in and of itself. Yes. <laughs> so always have a passenger with you who has a camera. Yes, or um, didn't you have a tip for mounting your, your camera in your car? Uh, yeah, uh, on the tips of the week, uh, how to build your own camera or how to build your own cell phone mount for under $10 or whatever. I think that came from a life hacker, I think. Yeah, but and that could be very useful. That it could, but that would be all of our stories for this week. Don't forget that you can check out all the all these links in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for future guests, what have you, feel free to stick those in the comments for the show notes, or you can always drop us a line, globalgeeknews at gmail.com, or you can always get a hold of me. I am at PCNerd37 on Twitter, or at globalgeeknews on Twitter, if you're looking to have the real correct thing as far as the what you, who, what you should write to for something that's directly related to the show. Or you can always write uh, Wesley, who's at Wesley83 on Twitter. And always, he always likes compliments about how awesome his hair is. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much it for this week, unless there's anything you care to add. Um, yes. Uh, Sean Percival and his wife, um, uh, Lori Percival, um, just had their first uh, child, I believe, the daughter today, and so I wanted to reach out and say uh, congratulations to the proud parents. Oh, I didn't realize that that had happened today. I knew that was coming soon, but yeah, yeah, congratulations to both of them. I met I met him a couple of years ago at a MySpace party for TechCrunch 50. I've never met his wife though. Yeah, D- uh, darling people, from what I heard, from what I hear, and. Uh, uh, it's, it's I'm happy for them, and it's, it's a long time coming, and I, I hope they embrace it and cherish this moment. And uh, I hope also they don't get overwhelmed with uh, demands for pictures, because uh, I already see that building up right now over Twitter and Facebook. People want pictures of, of, of their little girl. Yeah, I've never understood that, but that's a whole discussion for another time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, don't forget... There's always the Global Geek News merchandise. You can click on the store button or whatever at the top of the globalgeeknews.com website. Any purchases over $100 or no. Yeah, feel free to purchase whatever you want. Any donations at the donations link at the top of the page over $100 will get you a free Global Geek News t-shirt. And we are always looking for people that are willing to subscribe to the $5 a month plan because I'm still many hundreds of dollars in the hole as far as Hosting costs, domain costs. I'm looking to upgrade the system with maybe some new mics, a mixer, and whatnot, so we can start doing some more stuff with the show. So please feel free to help out and support the show. As AdSense, I've made one penny on it in like the last two months, so that's kind of pathetic, and I need help. Anyway, I think that is 
all for this week. Don't forget to check out globalgeeknews.com for all kinds of tech coverage throughout the week. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Later.